0: So we are now on the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And these verses really are going to be about the cost of discipleship. This is going to be a deep lesson. We're going to talk about some very deep, complex theological concepts. Some of these things you may not have heard before. It's difficult in many ways to teach them from the pulpit. But you're going to hear us talk today in depth about what Jesus intends for us. And this is all about discipleship. And I'm going to uh, separate for you the act of salvation, coming to Jesus and being saved, as distinguished from discipleship, which is the walk with Christ. There are two separate events uh, and Jesus is going to speak about that this, today in these lessons. And as I do this, uh, uh, I, I just would like to open with Romans 8, verses tw- uh, 28 and 29. And Romans 8 is one of my absolute life verses. I love it so much. It means so much to me, especially when you go through difficult times. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What does this mean? It means this, that God's end game in your life is not necessarily to make us happy. Oh, John, what are you telling me? I'm disturbed to hear this. Uh, uh, It is to make us holy. You understand? It is to make us holy. That's the end game of God, to make us holy. That is not to say that God does not want you to be happy. He does. But God knows that true happiness is a byproduct of holiness. All right? So if you want to be happy in this life, you need to be holy in this life, meaning you be walking with God. That's the essence of real happiness. If you live a holy life, you will be a happy person. And I start that by reading what are going to be some hard verses, hard verses, and this involves discipleship. John 16, verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. He's speaking now to the disciples. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this. So that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with that, with you. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus, so here it is. It's culminating in the end of the three-year ministry with these men. He's walked with them. And he's saying things now that he didn't say in the beginning, all right? In the beginning, it was about salvation, accepting Jesus, accepting him as the son of God, giving him your heart being washed and repenting of sin. But now, now, Jesus is speaking on a deeper level, a more profound level, a level that will cover them for the rest of their life, the walk, the walk. Not a day, but the rest of your life. Not one event, but a process. And so Jesus is emphasizing here the cost of discipleship. And so people who come to Christ... Uh, need to understand what discipleship is all about. Uh, and Because from the view of the unregenerate uh, person, uh, there is a cost to discipleship, uh, for it means leaving anything behind that might deter us from God's will for our life. Uh, in other words, Jesus wants us to take up the cross and follow him. Take up the cross and follow him. That, my friends, is discipleship. It is separate and apart uh, of of accepting Jesus as Christ. It is separate and apart from salvation. There is no discipleship without salvation, okay? Salvation comes first. And then what happens is we spend a lifetime, effectively, of sanctification and in discipleship following him. And so uh, Jesus is stating the cost very clearly of what it means to be a disciple. And if you look at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he spoke to them about that characteristic. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. This is a deep subject. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 It's the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you were to say to somebody, this is the religion that I've signed up for. (laughs) Whoa, what is this? You are rejoicing because people are saying evil about you. They're persecuting you. They're making you suffer. Uh, And it's hard. And Jesus tells us here that um, when you are persecuted, by the way, because of righteousness, let me add that, not because of your own earned stupidity. (laughs) Can we differentiate that? Okay. Some, Some of us are persecuted because we've done dumb things or mean things, mean-spirited things, and we're persecuted, and then we go, Lord, I'm being persecuted. Yeah, that's right, and you deserve it. But if you're being a righteous, holy person, walking within the will of God, and people come against you and persecute you, then Jesus is saying that there will be a reward for you in heaven. And that is why he says here, Uh, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's an amazing verse. So what does it mean? It means this, that, that, and this is why we distinguish salvation from discipleship. It is in the act of discipleship in walking with God, in taking up our cross, and being a Christian, it is that very act that we have the hands and feet of Jesus as we are demonstrating to the world what we're about, that we will be persecuted at times, that we will suffer at times. But Jesus is telling you, you will be rewarded. And this is the essence of it. The essence of rewards, and we know that rewards will take place in heaven. God is grading you on the extent of your discipleship. All right? All right? So that we understand this. This is exactly what's going on. And so when we come before the Father, when we come before Jesus, uh, when we leave this world, this is exactly what the review process will be. It will be a review. You're already saved. So God isn't going back over your sins, what your sins are committed. He's not interested in that at that point. You're washed. You've been adopted into the family of God. But the question is, what have you done as a disciple of Jesus? And it is that very order, that very walk, which God will be uh, interested in. Look also, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is a very deep and interesting uh, discussion. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so there it is. You will suffer. You will be persecuted, but always do what is right. There's another backup on this. Look at uh, chapter 4 in First Peter, verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. How about that? If you're insulted for Jesus, you are blessed. It's an actual blessing in heaven. God is there and he sees it and recognizes it. I know so many of you have have gone through suffering and persecution in so many ways. I want to assure you that God sees that. And Jesus is laying out this as a course of our life. This is how we are to live the rest of our lives, how we are to walk. Uh, and so here we are being told that we rejoice in the persecution because it is through the persecution uh, that we are going to be blessed. Look also uh, at Paul's words on this very subject. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There it is. How's that? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, and But we, we will be persecuted. Uh, look also at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter one, verse 29, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Wow. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So you, you see this. That's why I say this is a deep theological discussion. Uh, It's difficult for for people that just come to Christ to understand this. So we're separating out. We're separating out salvation, all right, as distinguished from discipleship. And so discipleship involves works through the grace of God. Salvation is of no works, the the free gift of God. But but discipleship is what we are going to endure for the rest of our lives while we're here in this world. And so, this is a continuation as Jesus speaks about a continuation of the continuing hatred of Jesus. The world despises him. The world hates him. The world repudiates him. And you, my friends, are standing in his shadow. That's what it is. And so, Jesus is telling you this is what comes with the territory, this is what it's all about. Don't think you're going to be elevated that the world will elevate you. No, no, that's not going to happen. There will be some people that will do that. But more than likely, rather, you're going to find that even within your own family, sometimes within your own church, you're going to suffer repudiation uh, and persecution. It will happen. and Jesus is telling us this. Uh, And so uh, here, one of the incredible things that Christ indicates here is that his disciples will be put out of the synagogue. I don't know if you can appreciate how significant an event that is in terms of a first century Jew. If you were a first century Jew, your entire religious, social, and cultural life were in the synagogue, were in the temple. There was no life outside of that. Uh, And so uh, it's not like being excommunicated from a church today. You know, if you're in a church and whatever things got bad, and they tell you, we don't want you here, no problem. There's like 10,000 other churches. You can go to any other church. Not so in the first century. You were put out of the temple. You were put out of the synagogue. As a Jew, you were done. Uh, and that meant that you weren't going to be able to participate in the high holy days. You weren't going to be able to participate in worship. You, In many instances, your economic life would be shut down. You wouldn't be able to have a, a, a social life. You would become a pariah. We can't imagine how enormous this event is, being put out of the synagogue. It's as if your entire world was crushed. Your entire world was crushed. Why? Because you accepted Jesus. Because you accepted Jesus. Uh, and, it's, and it's amazing. And so uh, it would have an, an incredibly devastated, devastating effect. Uh, and then the unique thing about this, the unique thing about this, and the following example of murder, because Jesus tells them, you will be killed. Jesus, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? This is, this is not looking like a good sign-up moment. <laughs> you know? It would be like you went down to sign up for the military, and instead you had a list of the body bags, you know, from last week. Uh, you know, what, what am I signing up for? And Jesus is laying it on the line. Well, yeah, you're going to be put out of the synagogue. And not only are you going to be put out of the synagogue, many of you are going to be murdered uh, and killed. Uh, and, and, and the thing is that, that the persecution, and this is the most painful part of this, I make this in my note, uh, the, the persecution is going to come from ostensibly religious people. And I can tell you, frankly, in my own life, the worst persecution and suffering that I endured in my own life came from religious people. Religious people. There was some, some incredible amount of pain when so-called religious people uh, persecute you and su- make you suffer. And I know many of you have, have gone through this. Uh, one of the members of this class is not here now, told me an instance where he had been uh, the, uh, the church organist and choir director for 20 years in a church. During that period of time, he had gotten divorced, but still did his duty. And a new pastor came in, and the new pastor asked to meet with him. And uh, within like the first month, and when he met with him, the new pastor said, you can no longer be the choir director and the church organist. Why? Because you were divorced. Because you were divorced. Now, it's never enough that you had to go through and endure the pain of divorce, all right, you had to go through that. But now you have the, the so called loving hands of God reaching out and throttling you, ostensibly because of religion. You think that hurt? You think that hurt? I can assure you that that's the kind of pain and suffering pain and suffering that, that, that you can't walk away with. That scar stays with you forever. Someday I'm going to teach a, a class on the topic of sacred scars. Sacred scars, and there won't be enough room in a, in a classroom to hold the people that will, that, that applies to. Um, and so here it is. Um, and, and it's interesting, when you, when you go back and you read some of the commentaries uh, about Martin Luther, which I have, Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Roman church. All right? He was excommunicated from the Roman church. I want you to understand something. R- Martin Luther never wanted to start his own church. He wanted to go back and effectuate change in the Roman church. Well, that didn't work out so well for him. And so they excommunicated him, and and he portrayed himself in these commentaries in the role of Jeremiah, uh, who was required to stand before Judaism in his day and tell them what was wrong with them, that they were going to suffer, that they were were going to be taken into captivity in Babylon, that they would be brought away from their homeland for 70-plus years. Martin Luther understood that. He felt that that was the call of his life, and sometimes it is. And so sometimes God calls us to tell so-called religious people that they're wrong. Sometimes God calls us to say that things in the church may not be right, all right? And Jesus is telling them that, that your call here on your life is to stand up against the religious establishment, and you are going to suffer pain. It is going to be awful. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand this whole discipleship issue uh, and what it means. Uh, and so uh, I'm so really uh, sensitive to this issue, uh, and it has really profoundly affected me this week as I've really prayed about it uh, and and sought further study to understand it. Because we often do not hear this discussion. We hear the discussion about coming to Christ. And we hear the discussion about taking up our cross and following Jesus, but we don't understand what that part of the Christian equation it is, the taking up the cross. It is not part of, of salvation. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ by grace alone through faith. Amen? Amen. You understand that? Not because of any work that you did or any walk that you have, you are saved alone by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ through faith alone. Now, now, Jesus calls us to discipleship. He calls us to a walk. He calls us to sanctification. And as I've said to you time and time again, that's what we're talking about now, what, what the effects of That walk are, what the effects of that discipleship is, and how effectively you're going to have to speak to God someday and to Jesus uh, about what you did uh, in that walk. Uh, And here, we know through our studies that pretty much many, many, all of the disciples would be martyred, all of them. The only one who was not martyred, who they tried to martyr, was John, who was put into a, a, a boiling oil. We know this uh, through uh, Irenaeus, who was a a disciple of John in other writings. You don't see it in the Bible, but he wrote about that, that he was placed into boiling oil in Rome. uh, And the oil was so hot that the curtains around the oil went up in flames. And after about an hour in this effective, what became effectively a hot tub, because of the grace of God, he's just sitting there walking around, and swimming and paddling without any effect at all. Can you imagine? The grace of God. Can you imagine? So now they yank him out of the, they yank him out of the oil, uh, and Caesar now wants to execute him. Well, under Roman law, you could only be, be uh, uh, tried once for a capital offense. And so the the Senate said to him, you can't can't do this the second time. You can't put him to death the second time. And you see, that was the hand of God. Because because of that, he was instead sent out to the Isle of Patmos to stay there in the Isle of Patmos instead of being executed. And it was in the Isle of Patmos where the revelation came to him of the book of Revelation. That's where it came to him, on the Isle of Patmos uh, in that remote Uh, place where he he was sent. And you see how God orchestrates your life. Who would think, who would know that this whole thing, because he was sentenced to die in in a vat of boiling oil, and yet instead he was rescued and saved. Uh, And so what an amazing story that God uses that to advance your spiritual life, to advance our life. So that's what this is about, understanding. Somebody asked me today, what does it mean about suffering and persecution and getting a deeper life? That's what this is about. God is molding you and perfecting you and making you. And often, that involves persecution and suffering. All right? And what does that mean, persecution and suffering? It means that that it might mean vituperation, uh, it might be rejection by your family, that your own family will not want to have anything to do with you because they can't understand your faith. You walked away from grandma's faith. What's wrong with you? We were all there for grandma, and you walked away. What makes you think you're better than we are? You know, People don't understand that you're bowing your head to the will of God or you go to the the doctor and you get a bad diagnosis, all right? Health intervention takes place. So relationships go sour. It goes on and on and on. But I want you to understand, we read the first verse in Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Why? Because he foreknew who you were and he predestined you to be a son of God. What does that mean? It means this, all right? I'm not a reformed theologian, but what it means is this, that God knew from the moment that he held you in his hands, before you came to this world and were born, he looked at you. And as he looked at you and gave you free will, he knew what you would do with Jesus. And it was his very foreknowledge of what you would do with Jesus that called him then to elect you as a son of God. All right? Sometimes we overcomplicate this. All right? I've just given you what election is about. We overcomplicate it. And so here it is. You see this all going on. And so, yes, (laughs) discipleship is hard. Yes, there's going to be suffering. Yes, there's going to be persecution. Um, And and what uh, Jesus is saying to the disciples, I want to strengthen you. I want to make you stronger. I want to keep you on track. I don't want you to think that this is an accident, that I have walked away from you, that I have abandoned you. You hear what I just said? That as you suffer and the persecution comes your way, don't think that God is abandoning you. He's not abandoning you. There is some greater plan for you in, in uh, the eyes of God. Uh, and and so Jesus is teaching them practical Holiness. Practical holiness. Holiness 101. We don't live in the clouds. We don't live in the clouds. We don't live in BLG. At some point, we go into the parking lot. We go into the world. And it's there, it's there that God is calling us to live a holy life. And so here's the thing that I want to emphasize with you. Salvation is free. Discipleship is costly. And so the question for you today is, Lord, I really want to be your disciple. Lord, I want to live the kind of life that that you want me to live. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet, Uh, and I know it's going to be costly, Lord, but I I want to please you, all right? I want to please you. I want to do that. And so the scriptures are very clear that in order to be a disciple in the fullest sense of the term means that a person must pay a price. You're going to be a disciple of Jesus. You are going to pay a price. It will not be easy. Uh, And there is no view of discipleship that does not construe that price differential. And so that's why I I wanted to pull this apart and emphasize this to you. And so to make sure that you understand that the issue of discipleship has got to be distinguished from the issue of salvation, because discipleship is costly and salvation is free through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But now the question is to walk. Now the question is, what will you do with the rest of your life? Now the question is, will you pick up your cross and follow Jesus? Will you walk away from all the things that, that were important to you before? Will you come to terms with your family relationships, where we know that verse says that Jesus said that you must hate mother and father. And we know that Jesus didn't mean hate mother and father, but it means to put mother and father in its proper place in in contradistinction with who Jesus is. Jesus comes first. Jesus is number one. Everything in our life is submission. We bow our heads in humility to God, and we serve Jesus Christ. We don't elevate family. We don't elevate relationships. We don't elevate our jobs. We don't elevate money. We don't elevate anything from this world. We don't elevate even our own children over Jesus Christ. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you want to walk with him for the rest of your life, this is what it's all about. And we're going to continue this discussion next week. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these words. I thank you for this lesson, Lord. I thank you for teaching us about being a disciple and how costly it is, Lord. I ask you to open our hearts and let these words resonate this week as we get closer to you and understand truly what this means for us, Father. Be with our people, bless them this week, protect them and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.